Previously on Automation Town. Untitled podcast. Walk me through the rationale again. Bad guys tried to bury us under the Grumley Center. Got it. We got out. Bad guys are probably mad. Hiding only seems like it'll work for so long. Welcome into Automation. Uh, Automation Pod? Automation Pod. Automation Pod. We have got a bit of a story to tell. We do. And we want to explain why we're concerned that the mayor of our town isn't quite what she appears. Guys, it's the mayor. She's out as mayor. Is that? Put that up on the TV. Why is Jake there? Great things are in store for the future. Know that I will cherish those relationships She's out? Forever. I think she resigned. And he'll be in great hands with Mayor McCringleberry. With that, I'll hand it over. Jake? Automation Town finds itself at an inflection point. Do you continue on the path of change? Of pursuing the dangers of the unknown? Or do you cling to the safety of the way it's always been? And it's with that eye on the past and that steady hand that I look forward to serving the people of Automation Town as your new mayor. Ah. Oh. How can... Are you sure? I don't... Okay. Okay, okay. See you in a bit. Oh, my goodness. Chad speaking. Chad, I just talked to my tax accountant. Oh, boy. It isn't good. Oh, no. Can you give me a lift over to his firm, my car? Well, I don't have a car yet. Right now? Yeah. Paul's here. Hi, Jason. Just give us a few and we'll be right over. Okay, thanks. Okay, Paul, we've got to wrap this up and go pick up Jason. I just... I feel like I'm so close, but I'm still getting a 400 response. API calls are hard. You know what? I saw a friend of mine from high school the other day, and she's a certified Zapier expert. Let me give her a call real quick. Hello? Olivia! Paul! I'm trying to make an API call to OpenAI for this bot we're making. Pat? Yeah. Pat, but I keep getting a 400 response, like my API call isn't set up correctly or something. Did you try the OpenAI Zapier connector? Wait, that's a thing? Yeah, there's an official OpenAI Zapier connector now, so you don't have to make a custom API call. Oh my god, this is way better. Thanks, Olivia. You bet. See you, Paul. What was I doing? Hello? Olivia. Mitchell. I have a client coming in and our appointments app through an error. I'm on it. I'll follow up. So should we reschedule the meeting then? For Jason? Yes. Because the automation broke? Mm-hmm. Gloria, he might just be the man for the job. Automation and small business are like, like the peanut butter and jelly of uh, automation applications. Delicious. This week's special guest, Mitchell Baldridge, shares how he automates a small business and what's next for Automation Town now that Jake McCringleberry's taking over as mayor. It's not good. All this week on Automation Town. You guys really need to get your own wheels. I told you, my car wasn't insured. What I really need is a job. 
You ought to find us some advertisers for the pod, Paul. Really? Automation pod? You don't think advertisers will be spooked by the entire, you know, premise of how the pod started? I don't know. Paul, tell Jason what you told me about the research you did. So, back in the 1800s, Automation Town and Mandelsburg were both formed at the same time. So you were looking into the Jake for Mayor thing? Yeah, so Automation Town and Mandelsburg are kind of sister towns. They were formed at the same time by two groups of people, obviously one more forward-thinking than the other. And in the charter for each town, it's written in some language about what could happen if something were to happen to one of the mayors. The order of succession. Right. So if something happens to either town's mayor or they resign, the other town's mayor comes into power until a special election happens 90 days after the transition. Well... I guess Jake's only mayor for 90 days then? But in the meantime, he has all the powers and responsibilities of the mayor. So what can he get done in 90 days? He's gonna set our town back years. Today he proposed an excise tax on automated employees. Excuse me? Yeah, he says that since workers' jobs are being eliminated by automation, the town can't assess as much payroll tax, so they need to do some special assessment. To penalize the people who are trying to automate things. Something like that. How would they even measure that? Anyway, I gotta go. How long do you think you'll be? As long as it takes to not have to pay this ungodly tax bill that I don't have the money for. Is that clear? I don't I don't know how long it'll be. Okay, I'll just wait indefinitely. Baldridge and Associates are very professional. Huh. Jason? Yes. Mitchell will be with you in just a moment, hun. Okay, thanks. Wow, this is kind of cool. Oh. Jason. Ah! Hi, Mitchell. Gloria, add this to Jason's billing register. Right this way, Jason. So, very professional, huh? Uh, you should know I don't like small talk. Okay, yeah. Why should I be billing you for small talk? when I'm enjoying it as much as you are. Of course, yes, that makes sense. You are the professional after all, and thankfully the only one who can get my tax bill down. I didn't say that. Don't hold me to that. I won't, and I appreciate anything you can do. Chad, you know who would make a great mayor? Well, not Jake. You. Me? Yeah, you're just a straight shooter. I feel like it takes a lot more to be a good mayor. I haven't slept for three days, for starters, and I'm sure mayors get lots of sleep. It would be a great way to learn about the Capitol Underground. Ooh. If you were the mayor, you'd get briefed on all that stuff. You're not wrong, but that sure feels like a roundabout way to get the information. We're done. You're done. Hey. Mitchell Baldridge, Baldridge and Associates. Chad Mitchell's automated a bunch of stuff in his accounting firm. Wow. That's awesome. Who says accountants are stuffy again? Mitchell doesn't like small talk, but I got to thinking, what if we have Mitchell on as a guest for the pod? To talk small business automation. I'm required to disclose this meeting would be outside the scope of my engagement with Mr. Stats and require a standalone engagement letter. Yeah, of course. Of course. Yeah. We're all set up to record if you're ready to go. Here? We've been recording here since the Grumley collapse. And uh, who owns this dwelling? Uh, I do. Do you maintain a mileage log? A what? And is this the primary business location? Your parking lot? 
Okay, why, why don't we just do the recording chat? If you want to talk with Mitchell afterwards, I can let the two of you work that out. Okay, take a seat right over here. Okay, Mitchell, no pressure. Just be yourself. You ready to go? The clock hasn't stopped since we met. Okay, okay let's get to it, Paul. In three, two. Welcome in to Automation Pod. I'm Jason Statz. And I'm Chad Davis. And today we have a very special guest with us, Mitchell Baldridge, who runs a CPA firm in Automation Town. Welcome, Mitchell. Thanks, guys. It's great to be here today at the new Automation Pod World Headquarters. Hmm. Oh. So, Mitchell, tell us about yourself. I know you run several businesses. Yeah, guys. Um, I do own a CPA firm. And then I'm a partner and investor in a cost segregation firm and also have my own kind of standalone product out there, Better Bookkeeping. Better Bookkeeping. Is that like a service company or a, like a software product? It's a little bit of both. It's a, definitely a managed service. We took Plaid as the front end and have built our own accounting platform with the idea of servicing kind of small business owners and entrepreneurs and providing a bookkeeping experience that's a little bit better, so to speak, than what's out there already. We work with a lot of people who have S-Corps or who have raised funding and are founders and yeah, started our own platform. And that's separate from the accounting firm? Yeah, it's a standalone deal. I have a partner in that and it's my accounting firm. Like We have probably 150 clients. So we, we've been a small firm that serves a kind of particular client, which is either we work with a lot of real estate syndicators and general partners, and then we work with a lot of small business owners, but really we're very kind of selective about who we take on and, and we just are a small business. So we haven't expanded a big firm. And so my idea with better bookkeeping is let's like find a niche of people who can use this one product of, I need bookkeeping. I need some like programmatic tax planning and I want to be kind of taken care of throughout the year. And even that is growing, but small at this point. So yeah, they're separate businesses altogether. Very cool. So you've got three different businesses. There's all kinds of stuff you're probably spending your time on, probably thinking about how to protect that time. How'd you get started into the world of automation? You know, uh, it was probably getting into Twitter and finding people like you and finding these tools out there like Airtable and Zapier and learning how to use them. I mean, I had always struggled in my core business, my initial CPA firm. We had tried all of these different CRM systems and document trackers and, and tracking systems. And like every year we would wind up just getting a big whiteboard, pulling it out on the wall and writing everybody's name and where the project was. And so about two years ago, we got into Airtable and built a custom kind of CRM that really changed the way the firm works and got all the way into building a client portal. And we were just kind of hooked from there. So I have Jason stats to thank. <laughs> Can I ask more about the portal? So you started with the CRM and Airtable. Is that a portal that you built over the top of Airtable or something new that you build or what's that look like? We use this product called No Loco. Yeah, yeah. We use No Loco and Dara over there, they had been in Y Combinator and they had raised funding and they were kind of an infant product when we got connected with them through somebody on Twitter and he was developing the product and I just had my own idea. I was trying to use Stacker and Softer. Hmm. 
but the one thing I couldn't crack was like having a table that would feed the client data and then accept data on the other side. Specifically, I wanted to feed clients all the items we needed from them and then allow them to drop the items on the table and write comments next to it. And so NoLoco kind of built that feature and then they've been building and building faster than we are, frankly, at this point. But we've built our entire kind of internal client portal out of NoLoco and been using that for a while now. And it's been a great experience. And then we now have kind of internal charts or sections where we track all of our projects and we end up dropping all of our time into there and doing all of our kind of like realization work out of that as well. That's cool. And your firm, like who wears the hat of who does most of that stuff? Do you have like an advisor, like a contract person you pull in? Do you do that all yourself? You know, it was me and my wife. My wife left her job after our second kid was born. I kind of just was launching this project and dropped it into her lap and we built it. And then like when we started the cost seg firm, we literally took the whole client portal and just cloned it and took the whole air table and just cloned it and like rebuilt the entire internal CRM off of Airtable and off of the same structure. So it, it was pretty cool to be able to just like pick up and almost clone a lot of the aspects of the business, which are very similar and ship them into a new line of business. It saved us a ton of time. When you start projects like this, sometimes there's a selfish motive, right? You want to be organized. You want people to like what you've built and you want it to work. Sometimes those three things don't actually turn into fruition. So I'm kind of curious, you're probably a year or more into this build. What's the reception been like from your clients and your staff? Yeah, I mean, everything's done from a selfish standpoint, probably. But, you know, it's been the only project where we got to the end of the tax year and didn't decide to just scrap the whole thing and go back to the Google sheet that we had always wound up at. So that was a really exciting thing for me. It was kind of like, okay, we're at the end of the year. Let's archive the Airtable and then provision it for 2023. We had never wound up at that point after migrating to a system. And we've used a couple of the systems that are out there that other people use that obviously are great systems. A lot of people use them. They just would never kind of stick for us. And we had, you know, internal accountants who don't always like change and internal clients who don't always like change that all kind of come along. And there are people out there today who have pronounced they will never join another portal in their life. So like those people, you know, you don't have to log in to be my client per se, but you know, some people who are ready to jump in and just click around and walk through it, we just take care of them. I mean, we just put the documents in ourselves. but again, like the internal team all use it. Everyone who is creating their own like side spreadsheets of how much work do we have left to finish the tax season or who's still outstanding. We were able to bring a lot of that work into a unified system, which was the biggest win for me out of the whole thing. Is that like, we actually have up-to-date data that people use that people want to keep up to date. Like that's exciting. That's a big achievement. It's interesting. I think automation and no code for some people is like integrations, getting your apps to talk to each other. But for other people, it's like product building, like building an entire new thing from scratch 
and you kind of started like by jumping in the deep end and doing the ladder, like kind of building your own software from scratch to run your business on. And so like, I think an interesting conversation is, is the future of software more bespoke? Like what's the place for off the shelf stuff versus quickly and easily building your own thing that's, you know, custom to your business. What do you think about that and kind of the future of software? So more and more accountants are building custom products to serve their clients kind of unique needs. Mm -hmm. So I have a client who is a real estate syndicator who needs to deliver K-1s to his clients. And I created a portal for my firm. Once I knew how to do that, I understood then how I could create a similar platform for one of my clients on Stacker that basically allows them to create Google single sign-on unique user accounts where he can connect to Google Drive and give all of his investors and stakeholders a portal interface to deliver K-1s and ask for information and ask for updates. Mm -hmm. And it worked for me and it worked for him. And so like, you're going to see more and more of that. And then, I mean, the idea that I could build an accounting system from nothing in I didn't build it a, you know, my partner CTO, Connor Allen built it, but that that could be built in the better part of eight months and, and be a functioning product and have real world application and be the start of a real business is pretty wild. Yeah. So I think the idea that you can go out and build custom products that have somewhat of a niche use case but are are easy enough to build that it's valuable to those people is only going to get more and more prevalent. So Mitchell, after hearing that, what you're saying is automation isn't going to replace accountants then, is it? Um, No, not yet. Automation is going to replace some of the more tedious parts of accounting. I mean, look where accounting has gone in the last 40 years from before computers to after computers to the internet to you know these structured databases that now we as normal accountants can just go set up and start to use. I think the tools are going to get better and better. I think information is going to move a lot faster and people are going to be able to take tedious time-consuming parts of accounting and have systems take care of them. But I mean, until they simplify the complex rules of accounting, which I, I don't think they ever will, accountants are going to be necessary, I'm afraid. So you're saying if I email them, they're going to respond back now because they have way more time and they've fixed all the admin stuff in the world? Probably not, no. <laughs> Okay, Mitchell, so we used to have a call-in show, but now we've got listeners that email in questions. We handpicked a few that we thought you could speak into. Let's hop into our first one here. Uh, this listener sent us an audio file. Chad, you'll recognize this one. Boys! Oh, boy. Me again! Where's that music coming from? That machine learning idea you shared the other day? Brilliant! I'm already up for a promotion. Wow. I do think LiveFlow is the only way to really leverage machine learning on a QuickBooks file right now. But I ran into another snag with a client that I suspect LiveFlow could help me with. We're picking up a ton of new clients right now, and a lot of them have their own spreadsheets they use for tracking various things. I've told them how LiveFlow is the best way to sync data out of their accounting system into Google Sheets. But 
These are all custom built from scratch reports that take a lot of time to put together. I love LiveFlow's templates and I have customized them a bit, but is there a way to use LiveFlow to help with these totally custom reports? That's it. Thank you, boys. Automation pod. Woo! Thanks for the question, Gil. So this is something that really impressed me when I got started with LiveFlow. When you sync a report from LiveFlow, an income statement, for example, you can move any of the cells around after it's set up. and It'll continue to sync data to that specific cell. So to Gil's question, if there is virtually any report in the accounting system that will get the data points you need out of the file into Google Sheets. You can pull those data points into the custom report. And even though you've moved everything around and could be pulling from a bunch of different reports, the cells will still auto-update according to your live flow settings. That's a great question. Thanks, Gil. Uh, I'm not sure what just happened. Let's do the next listener question. Pat? Hi, guys. Where would you recommend I get started with automation in my small business? I'm feeling overwhelmed. Well, glad we have a guest today, Jason, who got started with automation in his small business. What a timely question. <laughs> Mitchell, where do you recommend we get started? I mean, like Jason mentioned, I may have jumped into the deep end in the example I told you about, but I think the best place to get started are things that have to happen at certain times on a recurring basis. So like one automation that I set up in my business a long time ago is I literally went into QuickBooks Online and had it send me the AR aging report and the general journal for sales every week, Sunday night at 5 a.m. so that I could review my accounts receivable aging and I could see what invoices were issued last week. That doesn't sound like automation, but it sort of is because now I wake up every Monday morning and I have valuable data that I can go look at and dig through and analyze. So there are places to start other than like rebuild a file portal from zero because you're crazy and you can't take 50 off the shelf products that already exist, you know? So I would say... Yeah, start by finding things that you have to do repetitively that require somebody to operate them and start to figure out how they can be done automatically. That makes a lot of sense to me. I mean, where I got started, Zapier was kind of the, the gateway drug for me. And I just started dropping into Zapier the apps that I use. And it shares, here's how users are integrating these apps. And that gave me a bunch of great ideas for like, oh yeah, it would be handy if this thing went over there. And so yeah, to Mitchell's point, don't start by building an app from scratch. Just start with taking data from A to B or, or emailing yourself something that may be a pain to get. Yeah, and if we're all starting at the same place around using Zapier, just learning the difference between what a trigger and an action was was groundbreaking, right? What do you start with and what can you do with it? And I find the more that you understand the differences but also then research and play around with all the different actions, your brain just starts going into, oh, maybe I could do this. Maybe I could do that. Yeah. So you can take a lot of inspiration just from those lists. Yeah. Zapier has that amazing like product demo on the front of their page too, where you just say QuickBooks Online and Gmail and put those two things in in either order and figure out if this happens, then this can happen. And you can start to get a million ideas of things to automate. Pat, you got another question for us? Quick question. Should I be looking to build a business around things that can be automated? Or should I be looking to automate the things I can build a business around? It feels a little chicken and egg. 
So I'm not sure the right way to think about it. Did you follow that one, Mitchell? I, I think so. <laughs> so do you look for a business that can be automated, or do you start a business and then figure out how to automate it? I think you start by solving somebody's problem. You know, Paul Graham famously said, uh, do things that don't scale. And, you know, that I don't think applies in, in service businesses, but it can. I, in the sense that start solving people's problems in the most kind of linear way you can and the most kind of process driven way you can just figure out what it takes to do what you're trying to do and then do something that somebody will pay you money for and then once that starts working try to cut out steps in the middle so start by making money figure out what it takes to do to make money so start with making money. Don't look for that. Uh, ooh, there's this new thing. So now this thing that wasn't possible before we can now do like, that doesn't mean that there's a business case there necessarily. So just start with building a business and then wrap the automation around it. You see this all the time where there's new technology come out and some people gravitate towards the technology and then they build businesses around it. And I don't know if they typically last because there's that general knowledge, not a specific very deep knowledge that can last and can actually provide value over the long term. So if I was a betting person, I would say that while it's hot right now to get into automation and throw your you know, hat around multiple different types of industries, if you think about that thing that you're really good at and you have deep knowledge about, that's the thing that you might be able to harness this power of AI and start thinking about things differently. And people will gravitate towards that. Who knows, you might even become a popular AI artist out of nowhere. Yeah, and that deep knowledge is the moat. Like, you know, something new comes out and enables you to do something in a new way. Well, everybody else can do that too. So unless you have that deep knowledge and a compelling problem we're solving, then it's just a matter of time for everybody else to do the same thing. Where do you stand on building custom software with app builders? versus using off-the-shelf software. My business has relatively simple needs, but nothing off-the-shelf quite does the trick. Is it worth building something from scratch? So this is kind of what we talked about before, Mitchell. Do you go out and build something from scratch? Do you do something off-the-shelf and try to modify it? Like if you were starting a new business tomorrow, I suspect you would say, do something from scratch? Yeah, I mean... It just depends. If I hadn't tried the four softwares and tried to boot up the five different systems and kept falling back to just the Google Sheets or the whiteboard with the matrix on it, I wouldn't have known what I needed to build that might have worked. And frankly, what I spent all that time building could have just not worked, but it seemed to work so far. So Steve Jobs said, focus on what makes your beer taste better, meaning it was this large parable of what he was talking about at Y Combinator, where he was giving this speech about how this brewery was focusing on producing power to make their brewery run. And then when power came through the grid, they got to just focus on brewing beer and not generating power. And, and it was kind of connected to like what AWS offers as a set of tools that now we don't have to set up servers. We don't have to set up our own databases. Like this is all taken care of. And so to the extent that there's a tool out there available for us to go use, we should just use that tool, I think. But then again, I don't follow my own advice. 
Well, yeah, but you ended up on that path because you used the off-the-shelf stuff first and didn't like it. Honestly, this is what Chad and I come back to so many times when we're answering questions about anything from taking money as a nonprofit or or scheduling for your pet grooming business. Like, let's start by exploring what's out there, and like, you got to become an expert in what's available. Because if something off the shelf will do it, great. Uh, but in many cases, you've got something that's, you know, a different spin on that type of business where there may not be something suited for you. And that's probably still more accessible than those people realize. And coming back to this whole building a business around deep knowledge, it's not a heavy lift to find an expert in these off the shelf app builders and pay them for a session, have a consult, but just don't do it with one person. They might be biased. They might have opinions that might not, you know, work with your specific situation. So do it with a couple people, a couple consultants, a couple experts. You could probably unlift more to figure out what solution might work better for you in two or three sessions with professionals than spending 15 or 20 hours on your own fumbling around in the dark. Couldn't agree more. That's a fantastic point. I've used, I'm counting in my head, probably five or six professionals along the way through Upwork or through Dara at No Loco or people I found on YouTube where I just paid for an hour. You know, I didn't know how to use Airtable and I still kind of don't. <laughs> so, you know. Well, this has been a blast. Uh, thanks for joining in the fun, Mitchell. Yeah, thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to Automation Pod. Have a question you'd like answered by Automation Pod? Look for my RV around town and use the mail slot on the door. Automation Pod is hosted by Jason Statz, Chad Davis, and Pat, and edited by Paul O'Mara. That's a wrap. Nice work, guys. Mitchell, that was great. You're natural. The individual who asked the caller questions earlier. Uh, Pat, yeah, that's the AI we created. Interesting. Would you say you pay for half of Pat's support? Uh, I pay the Zapier bill and for the open API stuff. Here's my card. Call me if you'd like to discuss your tax situation. Interesting guy. He's very good. Oh, wow. What? It's a request for e-signature. Did he just bill you for all that? He is very professional. Automation Town is written and produced by Chad Davis and Jason Statz. Edited by Paul O'Mara. Keep up with the characters of Automation Town on Twitter. At Automation Town.